Hello, and welcome to My First Time Podcast. I'm Mary Jo Smith. I'm Colleen Smith. No, no relation. relation. That's our, our joke. It's yeah. going to be every time. Because we both have the last name of Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 well. related. Uh, with us, as always, is, is our trusty Ian's phone Smith. Phone Smith. No relation to me. But related to me. Yeah. Uh, our guests today, uh, who I know their first names and last names like I knew other people's guests, other our guests from before. You want to try that again? Yeah. Your guest today. Our guests today yeah. are Margie McGee, who didn't make a sound. Oh, and hi. I didn't know I was supposed to say hi. I thought I was supposed to be like... And Jordan Black. Hello. And we are related. We are. We're, okay. <laughs> there is a relation. Yeah. We're married. You, who took whose name? I took Margie's name, clearly. Okay. Jordan, Jordan Black. Jordan McGee. Whoops. Oh. <laughs> We're going to... We have some things to work out. We should, you guys should rent green card. Um, <laughs> and you, oh, I mean, hopefully you're turning in, be, tuning in because you heard um, last month's chapter yes. um, of my first time about our pets. Yes, but if you are not, the premise of this podcast is it's called My First Time and we tell stories of firsts. So today's first is a sort of a two-parter because we have a mixed bag of people here. <laughs> uh, it's the first time I believed in God slash didn't believe in God. So uh, we're going to get some controversial storytelling <laughs> going on. Um, and to start us off is Miss Mary Jo Smith. All right. <clears throat> so he, I, I will preface this by saying that um, I, I have been and uh, probably forever will be on a quest uh, for for higher power and spiritual, whatever that is in my life, for which I really don't have an answer. And I, I, I will also say that I I am a very, uh, very logical person, but I, I will absolutely accept anything until you absolutely prove it not to be true. So, like, I'm willing to entertain any idea, whether it's reincarnation or, um, or anything, Catholicism, Judaism, Buddhism. Like, I think there are truths in a lot of in a lot of the teachings and different things out there. I don't know why I feel I need to say all that, but I'm saying it. <laughs> um, but I was fascinated. My story is from when I was a kid, and. Um, so I'm, my mother is Jewish, my father is Catholic, but we were raised really without any religious structure at all. We had Christmas trees, but we also lit candles on the menorah, and uh, it was really, um, there wasn't a lot of talk about God. We were raised hippie, so there was a lot of, um, like when we sat down to eat, we would say, thank you, sun, earth, air, fire, water, plants, animals, and people that brought us this food, blessings on the meal, which wow. was fairly um, um, non-denominational. Wow. Elaborate and um, just sort of like you know, let's be grateful for what we have on this planet, regardless of where it came from. Um, <clears throat> and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that um, like I think Jesus existed, and Jesus was a man like Nelson Mandela was a man who had um, who stood up for the little people and was persecuted for it. But I don't really believe in angels with wings and pearly gates and that stuff. So that when I was a kid, I was the hippie kid, but I had all of these friends. And I lived in a very small town that had more churches than anything else, like <laughs> almost more churches than people. And um, and I lived, my house at the time was sort of right smack in the middle of several churches. Within a, like a four block radius, there was a Methodist church, an Episcopalian church, a Presbyterian church, there was a temple, there was all. And I had friends that went to all different churches and I didn't get it. And I would say to them, well, I don't understand, why don't you go why do you why don't you all go to the same church every sunday you all go into separate buildings and i don't understand like why 
why don't you all, you're all friends, why don't you all go together? And I would go with them. And, you know, the big thing for me was, um, if there's anything I worship at, it's the altar of sugar. And church (laughs) always has cake and snacks. Yeah. Yeah. They know how to get you. They do. So I was like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus, but man, I believe in sugar. So I would go with them and I was fascinated by um, the stories and I was fascinated by the singing and the music and some of the places and, and, um, but I, I never felt, um, I never felt connected to any of it. And I thought for that reason that there was something wrong with me. Um, then I had, um, I had a babysitter who was Russian Orthodox, whose name was Mary Cecilia Teresa Josephine Anderson. And she was awesome. And she was one of 11 I'm sick kids. Of her already. She was one of 11 kids. They were dirt poor. We were dirt poor too. Um, and uh, there were so many of them in, in um, the Anderson family that uh, they had like a, like a step van, like for milk delivery, one of those like newspaper vans mm-hmm. that they had bolted couches to the back inside like bolted couches and they all the kids would just sit on the couches and they drive around that was their car that was the family car oh, I yeah love it. Um, and they were russian orthodox so when when mary cecilia Teresa josephine anderson became our babysitter did you for the rest of the story and... i will call her cece which okay. is, well, i have a dog named cece now but we called her cece um when cece became our babysitter she was shocked shocked to learn that we were not baptized um and uh, you know, she just said, you know, like, this has to be rectified. And, and my mother, who, you know, worshipped at the altar of marijuana, was like, well, you know, do whatever you want to do. I don't care if they want to get baptized. And she used to take us to um, San Francisco to this exquisite Russian Orthodox temple. Beautiful building. I mean, gold spires mm-hmm. outside and, you know, stained glass and stone and, I mean... Just, I mean, to me, it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. That building was gorgeous. And I thought, well, if there's any place that I would feel connected to God, it would be in this building. But I still, like, I would go, and I just didn't. And around the same time that this was happening, um, I noticed that when I frown, I get these ridges right here in my forehead. And for those of you that can't see me, I get two 45-degree angle ridges that resemble horns <laughs> on my forehead. Oh no. And so and and meanwhile I'm going to this really intense Russian Orthodox church every Sunday with Cece and her whole family in bolted down couches in this step van and hearing these stories about, you know, fire and brimstone and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to burn in hell." Like the reason that I can't connect is that I'm possessed by the devil. And I couldn't tell anybody because, I I mean, I really was afraid, like, something bad is going to happen. I was terrified. I was so scared. And um, Cece was like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, we got to adopt these kids or they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to burn in hell. So we have to (laughs) save these kids. And my mom was like, you know, whatever you got to do, like, go ahead. If they want to be baptized, like, she just didn't care. She was fine with it. So we, um, so and I'm the oldest of five kids so um, all you know and it didn't seem to matter my mother never said well they're Jewish like this is sort of weird but whatever (laughs) so Cece arranged for us to be baptized in this Russian Orthodox church and um, the night before 
they were going to pick us up really early in the morning. And the night before uh, we went down there, we were supposed to go down there. I was in the bathroom all night <laughs> trying oh. to smush the horns out of my face. And like, <laughs> I just knew that when they threw water on me that um, I was going to like, it was steam. And, mm. and, and I, I, I was just certain like that I was going to, it was going to be, uh, I would be exposed that the, my skin would boil and steam would rise off me and everybody would turn and I'd seen Rosemary's baby. And I was like, this is what's going to happen is they're going to turn and they're going to scream at me and be like, you know, she's the devil. And I was absolutely convinced that this is exactly what was going to happen. And, um, they came to pick us up and my, uh, my sisters and my brother were all like dressed up for, for whatever we thought was appropriate to wear for, um, being baptized and um, for, you know, what poor people would wear, we went to the thrift store and bought bapti- baptism clothes. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I freaked out. I totally freaked out. Oh. And I said, I can't go. I can't go. And I'm going to be found out. And I like threw myself on the floor. And my mother was like, I don't know what's going on. And, and uh, <clears throat> all I could think of is that like Cecilia and her family were like, she's the devil. And, like, and they were trying to like, and, and <gasps> Cecilia was like, we have to save you. And she um, grabbed me and she was like pulling me by the arm towards the door. And I was pulling back because she was like, no, you're coming with us. And it was this dramatic. And I'm sure that my memory of it is way heightened than what was real. Like, I'm sure she was like, come on, it'll be fine. Let's go back. <laughs> and my memory I was like, come on, we must save you. And I was like covering my head like I didn't want them to see my horns and um finally my mother said just leave her here so she left and um i am the only child in my jewish family of five kids that has not been baptized so if i'm wrong if i'm wrong they will all go to heaven well, this is why Jordan and I are here. Right. We're going to get you. We're we're gonna, gonna go next week, we're going to take it home. There you're will be some in, steam. Yeah, you're stuck in purgatory right. with and all I the babies. Lot of, I have a lot of, I will say this for, Not anymore, for anybody that's listening and for you guys, for anybody else. I have a lot of shame over my um, immediate um, and instinctual uh, reaction of judgment around religious people. Like, mm-hmm. I'm immediately like, oh, well, you must not be very bright or mm-hmm. you must not be a free thinker. Mm-hmm. Or, and I'm not sure where that came from. And oh, I don't I like know. that I'm, I do it. I, I'm the same way. So I am too. I, I can't stand that because I think a lot of Christians give other Christians bad names. I, I rarely, like, reveal that I go to church or, like, believe in any of this for mm-hmm. that very reason it's not something that like i lead with because yeah, like, yeah. no you want to be judged Good. for yeah. yourself first <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no i literally how long have i known you 10 years yeah at least um, yeah 10 years. it was 10 years ago that i was like you have to stop automatically assuming people who are religious are morons because <laughs> you're friends with somebody who's religious and and you respect her and she's smart right and it's a prejudice that you have but of course it comes from growing up in, well, I, you, I guess you didn't grow up inside a religion, but I did. And so for me, it was, I was entirely around thinking about the people I grew up around who were also the idiots who taught us, but then children. So children, I can't judge. But children are the worst when it comes to religion. Well, and I will say yeah. that later, when my mother did get into some cult stuff when I was older. <laughs> Lucky. Right. Um, but... I, but even Kool-Aid. by then, I was already um, like, what kind of like, like really nuts, like Scientology or like those. How well, first dare of all, you? wait. First of all, I will say this about Scientology. I don't know. I don't understand why Scientology is any 
crazier or it less, isn't. less crazy or more crazy than than Angels with Wings or yeah. anything else. It's I mean, not. It's the same. The it's all stories. The yeah. folklore isn't as crazy. I think it's when you watch all the religions that start and what the bad stuff they do to the mm. world, and you go, uh oh, somebody bad got a hold of like good ideas and took them out into the world and mm. created crusades or right. uh, uh, what is it, jihads and what mm. things that like people warped a message. In that sense, A, the original message is warped, but there's even that idea about Scientology that they were trying to go t- back towards the idea of just like, let's be nice and let's be kind. Mm-hmm. And then it got like, no, 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 we're going to go in this place of we're going to blackmail you with whatever you confess. Well, there may be some corruption in it, but I, I yeah. just mean at, at its core, I don't find that story any told- more... Mm-hmm. you know outlandish than any other story. I tell people I tell people that all the time I said I can't um, diss somebody else's religion because they believe that Zenu and people right. come out and when I believe that Jesus died on a cross and three days later he got up out of the right, tomb right, and, right. and then ascended <laughs> into heaven full body right. you know what I mean like so I'm. it's just mine's been around for 2,000 years right. so it's been sort of normalized in 2,000 years if Scientology's still around, which I bet it will be, it will uh, be completely normal. To also, we we live in a time when you you don't you no longer well at least not in this country you don't get stoned for saying things right. like that. So we can speak out in a mm-hmm. way against Scientology that we that people didn't right. two thousand years ago right. against Christianity or anything else. Anyway, um, I really <clears throat> thought that I was the devil, and um, and I <laughs> my 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 one of my. Um, Great sadnesses in my life is that I still feel I don't feel a spiritual connection at all. I I do believe in a higher power because I believe we are made up of energy and energy has to go somewhere. And I believe that I don't rule the tides and there's no way I you know I, I, there's things out in the world that are greater than I am without a doubt. But I I can't pray, um, and I I wish that I could. Um, and I've I've sought and I've studied and I've read and I've I've um, yeah I it's lacking for me and um, I you know I don't know if it's a f- I don't really think I'm possessed by the devil but um, certainly I am not possessed uh, or have not yet possessed um, a, that connection with whatever it is I'm supposed to connect with mm-hmm. be it Allah or Buddha or Jesus mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I have no judgment and I don't know that it needs a name. But or I the wish devil. That I, or mm-hmm. the devil. Yeah, they <clears throat> Some people worship the devil. I mean, I feel like if I had to choose, like if you made me put a gun, <laughs> put a gun to my head, and made me choose a religion, I would probably go the way of like American Indian, mm-hmm. sort of like of the earth, which is very pagan, and because mm-hmm. um, I, I I relate more. Th- even though I'm not a nature person, like at least that, I, I know, I'm a fucking mess. Okay, who's next? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a Scientology pamphlet. For oh, we got you a quick question. How yeah. old were you when the baptiz- baptism thing yeah. was happening? Uh, I was nine. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I was nine. That's and a good I age for it. Was, <laughs> I'm yeah. not kidding. Yeah, I was terrified. That's yeah. I really was. Uh-huh. And, I, yeah. and I, I don't really think that I... I don't believe, and I don't know that I would ever get to a place of believing that that you go to this place at the end and everybody's there and you can eat as much as you want without calories and your mom is there and she's healthy and happy. Like, I don't know what happens next and I hope there's a point to all this because I feel like I, I work so hard to like be conscious and mindful and kind and try to mm-hmm. learn from my mistakes and try to, you know, I, I really do try to live in a very Christian kind of way mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Um, uh, 
but I, I don't, I, I, I don't really think that I'm possessed by the devil. But I, I, every now and then I'll have like a moment of like, oh, maybe I should just go get baptized just in case, <laughs> because the rest of my siblings, right, have been. <laughs> But then I'm like, well, my mom isn't, so she and I'll go to hell together. And my mom, it'll be better for my mom if I'm there. One of her kids, she's <laughs> right? Like one of you, yeah, with her, yeah. Keep her company, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a good plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. I'll be with you. No, I'm baptized, but I'm not confirmed, so maybe yeah. I'll, I'll go mm-hmm. with you to hell. Oh, you can choose. Well, then I don't think. Oh any, yeah. What is the difference? Well, we'll I guess. Well, we'll that's a Catholic that thing, clearly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's the only religion that you know counts. <laughs> it's definitely the wealthiest. Yeah. The microphone has moved to Margie McGee. Yes, and now I feel like I should preface this by saying my, so my mom was raised Catholic, which was incredibly strict, but she brought us up Episcopalian, which is much more liberal, and she did not enforce a lot of, like, rules. We didn't grow up with a lot of, like, religious rules. We did go to church, but... Um, I guess my experience of organized religion is not so organized. Like I go to church on the regular, but I leave before (laughs) communion because I don't care. And I'd rather have coffee with my mom. And I, I sort of have a, um, like, I really believe in the principles, but I'm not as invested in, in the details. So I understand why people freak out about organized religion and people who are so fixated on, you know, following scripture exactly and that kind of stuff. But that's not my experience. That's not how I experience religion. So I just want to put that out there. Um, and then, so my my story, well, I got a little confused. So when, Colleen, when you first asked me to do this, I saw the question, when was the first time you believed or did not believe in God? And I was like, again, I go to church regularly. Mm-hmm. I My sister is an Episcopal priest. Mm-hmm. I'm in touch with God stuff and I'm, I'll be fine. <laughs> so I was just like, cool. And then, like yesterday, I started thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I should think about this and like get something organized in my head. And then I was like, fucking blank, completely fucking blank. So I did that thing initially where I was like, call Colleen and tell her you have diarrhea and cancel. <laughs> you don't have an answer to her question. Then I was like, no, take a breath, deconstruct the question. I was like, all right, start with God. Like, how do I define God? Then I'll know when it was that I started believing in God. And then I hit another brick wall. And I was like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't give a physical description. I can't give you a Match.com profile at all of what it is that I pray to or what thing I'm listening for when I meditate. By the way, I pray and meditate like twice a year, but I like to say <laughs> that happens. So it happens. <clears throat> so I came up and panicked again. And then I was like, keep moving backwards. And then the word believe sort of struck something in me. And I was like, all right. So I came to this idea that like, so for now, my my understanding of God, I'm doing air quotes, God <laughs> changes like shifts on a regular basis. So for today, for right now, it feels like what I believe in is like God is faith, which means that I define that for me as when I embrace giving up control. So like Mm -hmm. I have a value system, I have goals, I have dreams, and I take action toward these things. But the end result I have come to learn has nothing to do with me. And I'm at peace when I believe that, when I am in that kind of faith. Um, So then I tried to go back and answer the initial question. What was the first time you had this feeling? And I, again, hit a fucking brick wall. (laughs) And I... I think, I mean, because I, I don't think I believed 
in God or anything like that for until I was well into my 20s, a full-blown grown-ass woman, because I come from like anxiety, panic, terror, fear, stock. So like my natural state is to be, you know, I wake up every morning and I'm like, oh God, I failed already. <laughs> Everything's a mess and it's hopeless. So I, that has, is like in my hard wiring. And it wasn't until I was a grown up and realized that me trying to control everything in my life didn't lead to anything. I tried to control relationships, jobs, whatever. And the outcome was whatever it was going to be. Like, it didn't matter how hard I pushed or tried. So I finally got to some, came to grips with that in my 20s. And that's when I found this faith that I will, you know, for right now is God or whatever. And, uh, but I can't remember, I can't pinpoint the day. So then I just started thinking about like how, uh, you know, because like I have that first feeling of belief and first feeling of like falling out of belief on like multiple times all day, every day in my life. So I like, because I wake up in this state of like fear and terror, I, my brain is super active and I like, I am, I am like, I believe in some sort of God because I notice that I am like taken to church. Like, so in the morning I wake up and my dog shows up at the side of my bed. So I'm panicking and I think I'm a failure and this cute little animal shows up and I'm taken to church, which just means like my brain shuts down, everything slows down and I start feeling like, I start feeling like my heart sort of activates and takes over. And so I'll pet my cute dog for a minute and then this, like the gears my brain like kick up again. And then I'm like, oh my God, I have this adorable dog, but she's 15 and she her spine is fusing and she's bent at a hard right angle now. And so I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And she's gone. I love her so much. And then something like I'll catch a glimpse today of my calendar and it says Colleen's podcast tonight. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like taken to church. I'm like, I the, suddenly like the, the love stuff takes over all the fear stuff. And it happens a million times a day that this, my faith drops out and, you know, I'll see a picture of my niece and nephews and it's revisited. And like, I, like, I find, you know, I'm at, I'm taken to church when I'm laughing or when I'm dancing or like live music. <laughs> Colleen knows she's come with me to many a Muse concert. And I mean. That I, I enjoyed, not the, uh, what's his name? Modest Yeah. Modest, yeah, that was Modest a little harder. Was it not a good show? It, well, I think, was that the one where we were seated? We were seated and that we was watched a, bummer. a series of people dance out of rhythm, but not in rhythm with each other. It was the most amazing puzzle. It was like a Rubik's Cube of dancing. It was very, that was very odd. That yeah. was, any seated concert is like, really, it's questionable. I don't know what that was exactly. That was not church. He's Jewish. <laughs> Just, <laughs> so it wasn't temple. Um, it wasn't temple. Um, but, and I, this has come to my attention. I also feel like church is like fluid to me. That changes too all the fucking time. Like <clears throat> I used to be, I used to be a runner and I used to like find church when I, I like run marathons and it would take me to that place where like my brain shut down and my heart opened up and I saw the world like, you know, I'm, I'm a better person when I'm less in my head and I, I will pursue that for 26.2 miles at that time. Now... Fucking hate exercising, so I can't <laughs> get into that. And now, when I was that person running marathons, I thought, and still the rational part of me knows 
that Coachella is a ridiculous event. <laughs> it's fucking hot and crowded, and everyone's an idiot, and they're all high, and it's stupid. And you're gonna get ringworm. It's everything's oh. disgusting. A porta potties. It's fucking gross. But la- two years ago, I decided I would go because Muse, my favorite band in the world, was playing. And it's fucking, it is just a weekend of church. It's everything. I couldn't believe how much I loved it. I love the desert, like s- sun on your skin and like people there for a community experience. Everyone's there because they like want to hear live music or do drugs because they're like 15 and wearing short shorts. But <laughs> those are my people. But there's like, and there's, I know this sounds so lame, but it's like that you know the when the bass like bumps really loud off the front of the stage and it like takes over Shakes from my heartbeat core, yeah. yes so i like i it does something to me i'm like elated in this like weird way and so now like now coachella's church i went again this year i plan to go again next year but it may be like marathons and it may fall out and i may do something else and i love that like church is like it's unpredictable and i don't know it will surprise me when it shows up and it's not always happy either. Like church is when I'm like, you know, crying on your shoulder about like relationships that are falling apart or like things that I can't fix. And there's, you know, there's like a sense of connection and that that I'm not always in touch with. Like there is a peace and there is a stillness and there is like a source of unconditional love in me or that I have access to and that is what I think maybe God is I'm not totally sure (laughs) but I am I don't I am like a faith virgin like on a regular basis like I forget that everything that I just talked about I forget you know minute by minute and like I I have like faith amnesia so I have firsts all day long where I have that like you know that feeling of terror and panic and hopelessness and then unexpectedly I'm like lifted up and carried on some wave where I'm like oh everything's okay and you're it doesn't matter even if it's not okay because you're not in control so just breathe and be present for the people in your life and love them as hard as you can and oh my god you're fat and old and alone (laughs) it just like goes like this all day long so I don't really have like obviously a clear answer to my first moment but that is my convoluted Hmm. non-answer to your question that ambushed me with how profound <laughs> it really was. I'm so glad that the question made you think about that. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, no, it totally rocked me because I fully, I saw it and I was like, no problem. And then when what? I started thinking about it, I was what? like, oh, what? fuck. <laughs> I don't have a vocabulary so for what I believe in. I was struck as you were telling your story. Um, like, I think there's a part of me that's still like that little devilly girl it's mm-hmm. just like god i want that like i want what you even if it slips away like i just love that you have figured out that if you can just get back to that center place that it'll come back but i think that i haven't figured anything out that's the problem but i think that's the truth for all believers mm-hmm. that they don't share it often enough because they think like oh I, I need to say that I have faith all the time and it's like no one does mm-hmm. right. we all have our moments where we feel 
hopeless, where we feel down, where we feel defeated. And it's our faith that will, when we return to our faith, you're constantly returning mm-hmm. to your faith. I know I am. And I'm sure that all people are, you know. And, and I, yeah. I think it's a big deal that faith doesn't mean that you're like happy all the time. It like must, I've yeah. got a big Christian smile. It's just like <laughs> there, I like, I Well, have, that's the hypocrisy well, that's that really I have. Nobody's happy all the time. Right. I mean, it's the yeah. pursuit of happiness that this mm-hmm. journey is about, right? So we are, we have moments of happiness. So we have moments of sorrow mm-hmm. and rage and fear mm-hmm. and all of those things that together make a whole. Mm-hmm. The happiness is just a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So. And it's just realizing that like I have enough. Like I have, mm-hmm. I, I can, there are, I have access to so many people who like are my church. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to like, you know, everything that I think will fix me. I still believe by the way, if I were like thinner, had bigger boobs and more money that I'd be. And I can't wait. I cannot wait until I'm thinner and have bigger boobs and more money. And I never have to talk about faith again. <laughs> then I won't need it. Right, yeah. we'll but it for right now, until that time, you know, now, I have to be in touch with this. The question is, do you shit. believe in a heaven where, you are thinner, you have bigger boobs, and you have more money. And uh, <laughs> you don't need money in heaven, right. because like Mary Jo's heaven is, free. you get to go eat whatever you want, like in um, what's it called, defending your, defending life, your life, which right. I, I, hundred percent, that's why I connected with that movie. Well, and this yeah. is where I, your question rocked me again, because I have no concrete images. To me, heaven is like a place where, like I remember. Uh, a close family friend of ours like passed away of brain cancer and she was as this is such a bummer but she had a goodbye party for herself she knew she was going and I thought that was so like I just thought that was awesome and then she said I'm gonna miss you guys and then she caught herself and was like I hope where I'm going there is no missing and that now I'm gonna cry but that to me is what heaven is like Mm -hmm. those like right you're just sort of at peace and all-knowing and whatever this like center is that I occasionally tap into like ever so briefly to me that is heaven if you can live in that feeling of like I trust I feel safe and like everything I am open to like giving all of my love and taking all of the love in that Mm -hmm. anything around me wants to give or take that is like that's all heaven. But I don't have pictures of like gates, yeah. angels. Right. right. Clouds, I mean, yeah. I would love to have big boobs. Like, why, let's <laughs> why not? Go big or go home. Right? <laughs> Running through fields of clouds. With my fucking tits out. <laughs> Can't wait. All right. Amen. So. Colleen Smith. I got, yeah. a, I got a real solid moment <laughs> of believing and not believing. Okay. So, with a name like Colleen, I must have been raised Catholic, and I was. Um, my father. Irish Catholic, uh, but went to Jesuit schools, which are very like weirdly sciencey about religion. And then my mother uh, was raised, I believe, Baptist or Methodist in um, Missouri. But when she married my dad, she converted to Catholicism, which makes no sense because she never became a Catholic. There was nothing Catholic about her. And uh, when we were kids, we were sent to Catholic school. So from second grade to eighth grade, I was in Catholic school. And I was on board. Like, I thought Jesus was great. I thought God was great. Loved the stories. <laughs> Loved the Ten Commandments at Easter. Just thought the whole shebang was awesome. Um, and as we progressed through the, the various stories, little weird things would come up and, like, prick my attention. Like, uh, Catholics are very into Mary. You know, like, Mary's mm-hmm. a very central thing. And I remember talking to my mom about it, Mary Jo, obviously. <laughs> and my mom being like, Mary's not that great. Like, she didn't say it that way. <laughs> That's hilarious. But she's a Protestant, so, right, yeah. you know, Protestants don't love Mary. It's not about Mary. They don't hate Mary. They don't hate Mary, but it's not about Mary. Right. It's about Jesus, not Mary. Whereas Catholics, it's Mary, Jesus, God. Like, all right. of these are very, very important. Um, 
almost like Jesus almost kind of takes a back seat to mm-hmm. God and Mary mm-hmm. and and that thing. So the first like moments of like what? Because every if you're in Catholic school, you always have religious class. You just take religion. And um, one of the first stories I heard that I got into a fight with a teacher about was Abraham. And I remember this, the story of Abraham, which is basically, I'm paraphrasing, but like God basically says, like, kill your son to prove you love me. And we probably were in like second or third grade when we learned this. But if if you know me as an adult or you're listening to this voice right now, just picture that I was basically this as a child. <laughs> Taller than most of my teachers, even at a very, very young age, and madder than most humans are. And at any age. Yeah, at any age. And just getting into a fight, I think with my second or third grade teacher about this story doesn't make any sense. I don't get the moral of a story where a father would pick God over his son. Like I literally argued as much as I think a seven or eight year old can argue about this is this is messed up. This story is messed up. This story makes no sense. And the morality I I remember them saying like, what do you take from this? And I was like, I take from it that Abraham made the wrong decision, that God was testing him and that Abraham should have picked his son over God. Like that's what I thought the test was that you would never ever sacrifice your kid for some unknown voice in the sky. You would never do that. Like fundamentally, it seemed crazy and fundamentally you would never do that. And I, and I remember my, whatever being mad at me, whatever teacher it was. And like, no, that's not the point. The point is, is you love God above all things. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't like that. And I think, but I was still on board with God. I just thought my teacher was wrong. Hmm. Um, and then in fourth grade, I had this teacher, Mrs. Dung. Now, Mrs. Dung was... Dung? Yeah, her last name was Dung. Uh, she was... I forget where she was from. But uh, it, she, my favorite part about it was fourth graders don't know the word Dung. So she came and she's like, Hi, I'm Mrs. Dung. Yes. Before you snicker and giggle, uh, it means poop. And all of us were like, it means poop? Like, we didn't know. Right. We didn't see enough specials about African animals that have right. dung piles. We no. didn't know about this. We didn't know about dung beetles. Yeah, yeah. So we were all like, oh. And then we, I think, all went home. Or we, The first time we'd ever heard that the word dung meant poop was from this woman. Um, and then it was hilarious. Right. But uh, I really liked Mrs. Dung. Uh, she was... I, I thought she was very nice, and um, she would tell all these stories about religion and, and miracles. She was very much one of those people who loved miracles. So she would talk about uh, people would go to some place and a statue would cry, you know, those things. And then another place where people would take rosaries made of tin and the, the something, and it would turn into gold. The rosary would turn into gold. And I would always come home, and my parents made fun of me. And my whole family made fun of me because I had Mrs. Dung says, and then in fifth grade when I became really good friends with Jamie, it was Jamie says. <laughs> but I would just always be like, Mrs. Dung says, Mrs. Dung says, Mrs. Dung says. And um, I would tell my dad about this. Now, my dad is the Catholic in the family, mm-hmm. the, the Catholic, who, by the way, we stopped going to church, I think, in third grade because he was tired of us, like, horsing off in church. Which was basically my father falling asleep in right. church. It was his excuse. Yeah, yeah. Because he would just fall asleep and snore. He was the loudest snorer. And, oh like, God. the church would turn and look at this man snoring so Hilarious. loud. 
Um, <laughs> but still, like I would say, you guys are you're annoying in church. And because uh, Ian's here, we would do this thing in church where we would sit next to each other and we would side eye each other. Oh my god! Uh, just like you wouldn't turn your face, you just look at each other peripherally <laughs> until the other person noticed, and then they would we would break and laugh. And it was just that was the entire thing we did to just survive <laughs> church. And I remember when the homily would come, you'd be like, yes. It's the Eucharist, and then we're home. Um, and you got a little bit of red wine, because Catholics actually give you wine, and I once went to my friend's like bullshit Christian church where it was grape juice, and I was like, oh, I don't know what this is about. Um, and I think they gave you like cookies instead of Eucharist. I'm like, oh, it should be the wafer. I mean, we're gonna be Christian, let's be fucking Christian. Um, so anyway, we're in fourth grade, I come home, I'm like, dad, 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 Mrs. Dung says she went to this thing in South America somewhere, and Rosary got turned into gold. And my dad's like, I think your teacher's uh, full of whatever. And this is the thing about yeah, him being full, a dunk, yeah. uh, full of dung. He's a, a Jesuit, so it's all like science-y stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an engineer and a chemistry major, been to Vietnam, all that kind of stuff. Um, and he would talk about these theories about how the whole idea of parting of the Red Sea and the chariots, mm-hmm. you know, the flooding coming in. He's mm-hmm. like, no, actually, the, the theory is that it was low tide and the, the uh, Jews, when they were leaving um, Egypt, could walk on this, like, muddy Red Sea, but then when the thin-wheeled chariots, I remember him going, like, thin-wheeled chariots would go across this muddy um, see, and their wheels would get stuck, and then there would be f- sort of flash flood. So the idea is more that this giant army trying to follow them got kind of mm-hmm. stuck, and then there was a flash flood, and they got so, uh, drowned. Mm-hmm. So that was his, he was always very scientific about stuff, even though he was, in, in theory, our faith center of the family, mm-hmm. but wasn't. Um, but I was still on board with everything, and then, it's interesting because our last episode was about dogs. Uh, Patches, who uh, had been adopted before I was born, who had, it just had always existed. He was the greatest dog that had ever lived, ever. Um, he's 15 years old. I'm in fourth grade, so you're, what, nine in fourth mm-hmm. grade? Mm-hmm. Nine years old, and my parents tell us that Patches has mouth cancer, so they're going to take him to the vet, and they're going to find out whether or not it's treatable, and if it's not, they're going to put him to sleep. So go to school with this knowledge. And I'm sitting there in class, and... I, um, I'm, we're talking about heaven, we're talking about whatever, and somebody, I, maybe the question was offered up, I don't remember, but about heaven, and I mentioned that I was happy that my dog Patches was going to go there. And this is done without <laughs> blinking an eye, tells a nine-year-old whose dog is about to die, uh, dogs don't go to heaven. Uh, which I think the Pope just recently said is not a thing anymore. Um, he decided. Yeah, he decided. He let the babies but that's out of purgatory. The, hey, yeah, and, yeah, but popes and, are allowed. And the dogs yeah, out of nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But popes are allowed to do that. Um, but he tells, she tells, Mrs. Dung tells, who believes in rosaries turning to gold and statues crying, tells a nine-year-old girl that your your dog is about to die, doesn't go to heaven. <gasps> and I don't know what I said, but considering I'm the person who's arguing about Abraham at age like seven or eight, uh, I got sent to the back of the room with this kid who got was known for like getting so angry that his glasses would steam up with rage. Or I mean, comedic. I mean, I, I think it, they did. I mean, it was Hawaii, so it was a you know a humid place. <laughs> I buy it. But I, in my mind, he, they it. would steam up, mm-hmm. and he had been known for mashing this kid's face into the fence <laughs> with rage. So I'm I'm back there with him for whatever I said to Mrs. Dung, and I 
drew this picture of uh, for patches. So it's the green rolling hills, a sun, clouds, flowers, maybe a tree. Yeah, there's a tree. Um, and then I draw patches in that way that people draw dogs. And, um, and I drew a tombstone. And this kid, Ryan, I believe was his name, wrote R.I.P. on it. And I got really mad at him <laughs> because I just made this picture and it was my picture of patches and I didn't know what R.I.P. meant I just knew it was always in like horror things and like ghost things and Halloween stuff and I was like what did you do that and he said it means rest in peace and I was like oh <laughs> and I remember just being like because I didn't know what that meant and I and I don't know if rest in peace has ever meant so much to anyone like probably the first people who thought of rest in peace but most people are like yeah I guess we'll put that on there or like Rip is just sort of like R.I.P. is sort of a, a thrown away like thing. Co-op is a hashtag. <laughs> but if you never know what it means and you're dealing with grief and someone explains it to you for the first time, you're like, oh, that's such a, a lovely thing to say. So, um, and then obviously that night, you know, we put Patches to sleep and it's a horrible story. Uh, but, and I still have that drawing. I covered it in tape the way that children preserve things. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and it's wrapped in this weird piece of fabric, uh, like embroidered fabric from Korea, because I was born in Korea, my mom gave it to me. Um, and it's still sitting somewhere, and it's just this yellow thing that says patches and RIP and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's pretty much done with God and religion and Mrs. Dung there. But I still, you know what, I was done with God, but I was still okay with Jesus. Still on board with Jesus. Like, I was like, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't love the Old Testament, but New Testament, you know, Jesus is a little great guy. <laughs> and um, and then eighth grade year, uh, the only time I ever got an F, uh, or at least the first time I got an F, um, was in religion. Uh, we had to learn. I, it was easy stuff I should have known. Like, we had a test on the Testament. I mean, at the commandments and I didn't know them like I still don't know them um that explains so much so much indeed but also I kept getting into trouble and one of the major uh instigators of this was I had seen uh, Jesus Christ Superstar for the first time <laughs> oh my god and uh I loved it I loved it so much and I'd already had a little bit of a weird thing about Judas but Jesus Christ Superstar I was like yeah this is weird because Here's the whole premise, and this is always what makes me nuts about Christians, is they talk about, <laughs> no uh, but they talk about God's will, they talk about, uh, you know, this path and this plan and all this stuff, and I go, the whole thing we were taught was that God said goodbye, like free will, everything that happens from here on out, I don't have anything to do with, I'm hands off. There's one moment where Jesus is like, hey, can I get in there and like mix some stuff up? But that's like it. Like he messes around a ton in the Old Testament. But the whole point that I got from all of this was like, you don't pray to God to get a job because if God gave you the job, why would he give somebody else a job? The whole idea is that God went like, you guys figure it out. So that's the point. That's the whole point of all of this. And so I remember saying to my teacher, Judas isn't bad because everyone is supposed to be born with free will and Judas isn't because he has a fate, he has a destiny. And that's not fair because no one else has a fate and a destiny. And she's like, because they explain, Judas is destined. He is fated to betray Jesus. 
And I'm like, well, then Judas isn't a bad guy because he, unlike every other human being in the world, does not have free will. He has He's to do this. Path, right? He's set on a path designed by God so that Jesus can go to this place. And she kept arguing, yes, but Judas still chose it. And I was like, no, no, that's not the, your. If your rules are that everybody else gets to choose, <laughs> I love that you're arguing the rules so of God. Yeah, yeah, and and if these are your rules. He didn't get the choice like everybody else got. And also Jesus Christ Superstar really explains it. Like he's worried about them being genocide and, and whatever. And he's I like, just, stop I it. I on the Bible. If I'm yeah. ever in trouble and need an attorney. It's yeah. me. Yeah, I'm calling you. So I'm fighting this constantly. This is huge battle about it. And I kept just saying, I don't understand. I don't understand if you're saying there's some plan and there's no plan. Like you got to fucking pick. Like you can't keep up this the logic. And I remember saying things like, I'd rather people be good because they're good, not because they want to go to heaven. And and I, it makes me feel better to know that, even though it's sad to think people are evil and it has nothing to do with some, you know, Satan figure. It makes me ha- happier to know that every time somebody does something amazing, it has nothing to do with God. Like I know it's really sad to think that all. The, actually, though, I still thought, and I remember in eighth grade thinking. The people who do bad things, almost all of them, something bad happened to them or something chemically is wrong. So it's actually less depressing in the sense of like people are evil. It's more like bad things happen to people and it fucks them up. Or people are born chemically messed up that lead them down a a road of, you know, manic depressive or schizophrenic or whatever. And then they're not evil. They're just mentally disturbed. But when people do good things, there isn't some a magnificent thing in the sky making people do good things. That's just like people doing it. And that was the greatest thing I'd ever thought of because I realized too, like anytime I've ever done anything kind or good in my life, it's never been because I felt some guiding hand tell me to. It was because I went, that's what you gotta fucking do. Even when it was annoying, it was like, you know, don't hurt somebody's feelings. Do what's right. And and, and maybe it's my parents and being raised that way, but... I've never been pushed to do something good or bad based on anything. I've never felt the hand of Satan or the hand of God. I've only felt the hand of, like, me. And I know somebody religious might think, well, that's God working through you. But I think it's more depressing to me to think of this entity that's perfect guiding me. And I think it's more uplifting to think of things that literally may have zero point. It is entirely possible that we are a glitch, we have no point. The fact that we can comprehend our existence is just like, eh, it's just an evolutionary thing. And we're all gonna be blipped out and there's nothing. And if that is true, and we still choose to try to find existence, point, there's a point and we choose to be kind inside of that, that's, that is amazing. And it's more amazing if there's no design. So that basically like eighth grade, was the sort of end of my belief in that. And I I have no faith. I, I'm definitely agnostic. So I think when someone's like an atheist, I'm like, well, you being sure there's nothing is just as dumb as somebody being sure there is something, if you think it's dumb. Um, I'm just more of a belief that like, I'm gonna be a good person because I think it's shitty to be a bad person for no other reason. And if when we die there's nothing, cool, I'll be dead, I won't know. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and and if we okay, die, yeah, and if we die, and there's reincarnation, fine. And if we die, and there's like multiple 
parallel universes that we have to move through and whatever, fine. And if we die and we go to some cloudy city, whatever. Uh, well, there are cloudy. They already have cloudy. And, and no cloud, yeah, and the, and there's, yeah, no calorie food. Big, big moves, moves yeah. that oh, uh, mm-hmm. where your nipples, nipples point, point up. up. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Great bonus. <laughs> but uh, But I have no need to know those things because... I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna operate like this is all mm-hmm. I got, and and from and because I, I think that's what, how you should operate anyway. It's like this is it. So just you know, make hay while the sun shines. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, not a Bible quote. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my feelings about God. Yay. Um, no, it's funny because you went to. Uh, I went to Catholic school for my first three grades, and I will say. Catholic school will mess you up because <laughs> um, they do they scare you mm-hmm. it's yeah. like what's the point of telling me about how great God is and I, I don't want to be a member of anything where I got to be scared all the time that I'm gonna mess up even if I'm not even trying to and go to hell and also you should never tell and I, they were, I was told the same thing dogs can go to heaven and I remember I believed that for so long and then one day I realized that's just stupid why would there be a heaven if you couldn't be reunited with the people and things you want. That, that's the whole point of heaven. It's perfect. It's everything you want. So if you decide that in my perfect heaven, there's a dog, then there's a dog. It's just that whoever said it first, they didn't have a dog. The, the, whoever said like heaven is should be perfect. No, they didn't have a dog. I was like, well, no, dogs won't be there. Dogs are stupid. But, and then somebody else was just repeating that. Cause it's like, no, there's, that makes no sense. God doesn't in my, the God that I believe in doesn't do anything just because, well, I, well, I don't care about dogs. Like, well, that makes no sense, and I just don't think God does things that don't make sense. Well, if you believe that God created the dogs, right? Yeah, the dogs yeah. I mean, right. I, to me, here's the thing: Why would God care mm-hmm. whether or not I like Jordan? You want your dog with you in heaven? Sure, I'd love that. Oh, okay, no, well, no, it's heaven, and everything. Might be allergic. What's that? Some of the <laughs> some might be allergic. Yeah, but it's like it makes no sense. Like that, he would say, like, no, you know, even though heaven's perfect and you should be completely happy up here. The, your dogs will not be up here with you. So take your leave. <laughs> like, well, no. It was like, Go pet <laughs> that simple right. man. It was the same. <laughs> it's the same argument I have when people argue about um, homosexuality. And I say, why would God care? I can't. You cannot give me a logical reason why God would say, I just don't care for it. Well, that I, people behave that way. Right. I don't equate God to people. Even in the Bible, it says, God says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. That's to let us know, don't get so um, religious that you think you can speak for me. Because you can't. Because, you know, the, you know what God is, God's thing is, he can see all things. You can only see what's, you know, a few feet in front of you. That's it. That's your limitation. God does not have that limitation. So, and, you know, so people quote the Bible about like... Um, you know, like, oh, but it says it's an abomination. It also says if your child is disobedient to kill them. In Leviticus 10, where it also says homosexual abomination. And we don't do that anymore either. I mean, some people do it, but they go to jail for it. Yeah. Society does not accept it. And ch- churches do not preach that. So I'm like, so if you can't explain to me why you don't kill your disobedient children, you just decide that, well, we're just not going to do that because that doesn't seem cool. But at the same time, you can argue all these other things that you are going to stand by because you're not doing them. I'd be interested to meet that sect. That they're not interested, terrified, but that sect who's like 100% following Leviticus. They are. No one does. People lie. People are hypocrites. But no one does. And that's the problem. Like we were talking earlier about being a 
happy Christian, like who are happy all the time, those people do such a disservice. I was at a church service one time and the pastor of the church was speaking and he had been, he had been widowed, but he had been remarried. He'd only been remarried for like five years. And he said, um, my wife and I have never had a fight. And I remember thinking, well, you can't help me. <laughs> and I bet there's a whole lot of people in here you can't help. First of all, if you, first of all, either you're lying or one of you is a bully. That's mm. what I say because people don't, everybody I love, I get into arguments with. <laughs> you know, so Colleen knows this. And so, and so, it's all we do. It's, it's all, all we do, do is argue. And so my thing is like, well, who's, who are you helping by stating that? Because you're aware that most couples argue. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying that my relationship is so perfect because of God, we don't argue, then I guess I have no hope. Mm -hmm. So you're just taking away my hope. So I should just walk out of here right now. It's just stupid. Anyway. <laughs> When did I first believe in God? <laughs> uh, Thank you for restating the question. Yes. It's, it's like that interview subject. Yes. Because um, I took it literally and I really thought about like, when did I first believe in God? Because I was, you know, I grew up, my mother was very, um, my mother was a hippie. She believed in God and all that. We didn't initially go to church when we were really little. That's why she sent us to Catholic school because she said she wants to get some church training in us, know the uh, Bible and stuff and know about God. And then when I got a little older, like around middle school, we started actually going to church. And um, so my mother wasn't, you know, we definitely didn't grow up in like fire and brimstone and we didn't go to those churches. I was, I've always been shocked by the conserv evangelical conservatives when I first like became an adult and found out about that because that's not, I didn't know that there were Christians like that. The fact that most people think that that's what Christians are annoys me because when I was growing up, it was the exact opposite. Christians were liberal. They cared about the poor. You know what I mean? It was like, no, you have to be nice to people. You have to accept others. You know what I mean? You don't, you're not judgment. I mean, there was plenty of judgment. There's always judgment in ch most churches, but it wasn't so mean spirited. In my opinion, it feels super mean spirited. I went to, I always tell people, I went to churches where the pastor would preach his daughter was unmarried and pregnant, and everybody <laughs> has their cigarette in the parking lot on the way. Those are, I'm not even kidding. Those are churches I went to. So it wasn't a lot of like super like judgy stuff going on. And um, people was like, you got to work it out for yourself. Um, but yeah, I remember the first time I really believed in God was um, when I really was convinced that, okay, I don't have to question anymore. There's a God. I was, um, I don't know, I must have been around maybe between 13 and 15. And we didn't have a car because we were poor, <laughs> but it's a small town, so it was okay to walk everywhere. <laughs> and I'm walking to choir rehearsal. I was in the junior choir. I can't sing, but that, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I love being in the choir. So I was walking to junior choir rehearsal at church, and it, started, it starts pouring. And so then I'm, like, I'm standing on this awning waiting for it to stop raining because it's like, I don't want, if I walk into rehearsal soaking wet, I'm like, you didn't have to walk? Where's your mom's, your mom, no, didn't, no one dropped you? I'm like, oh, you're poor. You know, I didn't feel like dealing with any of that, like being the poor, wet kid at choir rehearsal. <laughs> I just didn't want to deal with that. It was just like, it was too much poor for me. Poor, wet kid. It was like, and I loved going to rehearsal, so it wasn't like, like I'm just going to go home. I, like, I loved it. It was like social, you know, it was like hanging out with your friends. And so I'm sitting there on it, and I start praying, and I say, God, please let it stop raining just long enough for me to get to church. And I'm not kidding when I tell you it instantly stopped raining. I started walking. I get to church. As soon as I get to the parking lot, it starts raining again. And I said, I will never question God's existence again. That was I was good after that. And um and like and I said, like, you know, people will say, like, oh well, you know, anything. That could mean anything. You didn't God didn't control it. Why would God stop the rain for you? And I'm just like, the God that I serve is big enough to take care of the whole world and 
big enough to take care of my individual needs. And I feel he's that way with everybody. Like, you know, when people say like, like, cause I'm that guy, I'll pray for my team to win. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But when they do, I say, thank you, God. And uh, when they don't, I say, thank you, God. Cause they, that mean he had a different plan. But all six of the Bulls championships, I prayed those through. In the nineties, I prayed those through. Michael Jordan should be thanking me. Oh my God, did I pray those through. I should have a ring. And because um, I prayed those through, and um, and but I believe that God cares about that. He cares about what we care about. You know, He cares about the big things we care about as well as the small things. If He, it's like I think a God is literally like a father to a toddler. Like the relationship I think God has to us is He's the adult and we're toddlers. And when you have that relationship where I'm trusting you, like when you have your, a toddler and you're walking around the street, the toddler isn't looking both ways. They're just walking and because they trust their parent. Regard, they, don't, they don't think they're going to get hit by a car. They're not even looking. It's not even their responsibility. And, and your parents want you to be happy. And the Bible even says if your parents want you to be happy. If, if you who are parents want to uh, love your children, how much more do you think I love you? And so that's the way I look at God about those small things. It's like, God wants me to be happy. Mm-hmm. So if there are things that I want that I don't get, it's because God knows that those things won't make me happy. They'll make me unhappy. We've all been there where you got, you know, get what you want. And it's like, oh, this sucks. And then um, and then when I do get the things I wanted, I know that if I, if I ask God for something, he'll give it to me if he thinks it's good for me. So the rain, I think he just took pity on me. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. You know, you it's you're being a little prideful right now, but I'm gonna go ahead and give you a pass because you're a teenager, and it's hard being a teenager. So, uh, but yeah, that was the first time I believed in. I, I was settled that I don't have to question. So, without God's being existence. combative and mm-hmm. super depressing, mm-hmm. the people in the world mm-hmm. who have endured horror shows, mm-hmm. the, the people who have had the worst things in the world happen to them, who have prayed mm-hmm. every moment for. Mm-hmm to not be all the bad things that mm-hmm. happen, who no one interfered in, mm-hmm. on their behalf. That's where I where I find comfort in the idea mm-hmm. that there is nobody, or mm-hmm. if there is somebody, he's not intervening, mm-hmm. or she's not intervening, or it's mm-hmm. not intervening. Because the idea that, let's take the least depressing of terrible things, the idea that God didn't prevent the murder of a, a human, mm-hmm. but did stop the rain. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Well, Okay. How does that work? I'm ready for that question. Okay. <laughs> um, well, first of all, and this is also in the Bible, and I'm good at quoting the Bible, but I can't tell you what stuff is. Uh, I'm not that guy. I can't tell you scripture and verse, but I can tell you what's in there. I can. The, I can tell you everywhere everything yeah. is. <laughs> but um, the Bible does say that there are things that um, that happen that we we are not meant to have the answer to everything because we aren't God. We There's no way we can know everything. God knows why. You know, I, I always put it, I always give this example of it. It's like, for God to try to explain himself to us about why he does things the way he does it, it's like you trying to explain to an ant why you get dressed every morning. The ant yeah. doesn't even know you're talking to it. Like, so you can't relate to God on that, on his level. You'd have to go to his level to understand that. And when you, for me as a believer, I have peace and knowing that. I go back to the... Um, He's my father in the sense that, you know, you trust your parents. Yeah. And you don't, you know how sometimes your parents say, if you said to your parents, you know, like, why do I have to go to school? If they really try to explain to you, you might not understand it. And, they, and maybe they do. And you go, like, I still don't get it why I have to go to school. And, but they do actually know. Whether, and they, it's not important to them whether or not you understand completely. It's important to them that you do it. And so with God, it's like, he could explain to you why he does it, but you probably wouldn't understand. And I'm not saying that he doesn't like kill people, but meaning, why don't you intervene on all bad things? But the Bible does say, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. And what I take from that is, 
you can see all these bad things, but there's something good at the end of it. There is something good because we've all had bad stuff happen in our lives and none of us have committed suicide so far. So it's because we believe that there's good things coming too. In all life, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. And I believe that sometimes these horrible things happen in life because um, because there's a lesson to be learned, for not just for the person it happens to, but for those of us who witness it. Like you look at somebody like Oprah Winfrey who was molested as a child repeatedly. And look at all the people she helped when she was given the medium to speak to the world and talk about it. And like people didn't talk about child molestation until Oprah's show came on. And then it became a thing that people could openly talk about. And so many people were helped who were able to say, this happened to me and now I can get it out and I feel better. So sometimes bad things happen to people so that they can be a witness to other people that you can survive this. Well, and there's also like the angle, the church that I go to is like an activist church. So the idea mm -hmm. would be that like, you know, you are here, if something bothers you, if there's a murder that happens or there's poverty that, that hurts your heart to hear about, the idea is that we are here to take care of the flock. So mm -hmm. if someone is suffering, we gather everybody we can together and we go over and we try and get those sheep back in. So it's our job to make mm -hmm. the effort to like go do work for gun control or mm -hmm. go, you know, get out and be active and, you know, whatever. Be of service. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Right. Well, I think that, and that's my beef with the, with the Christian church and all the denominations, which I think is just a mess because I'm non-denominational, is all of the problems, like some of the problems you brought up, if the church would actually mm -hmm. unite and do the work that we've been um, challenged to do by the Bible, then a lot of these issues of starvation, hunger, um, unwed pregnancies, all these things that, you know, abortion, all these things wouldn't be an issue if we were doing our job. And we're not doing our job That's because we're focused I, on the wrong things. That's why I the whole thing as a kid where I didn't understand, like, why are you all going into different houses yeah. to do this? Like, why if you all have the same desire and, and belief and connection to this thing, this entity or non-entity, this energy, this force, why aren't you all holding hands as one in one group? It's never made any sense to me. It is starting to happen, like, and for whatever mm -hmm. reason, like, as as the church sort of is struggling to survive, there's becoming a lot of, like, interfaith councils mm -hmm. arising out of it, and that's starting to help just bridge that gap. And also, we're all, like, you know, we're, like, we have to start helping each other. Right. Like, we are all occupying this planet, and we are no longer in a position where, like, bitter infighting is getting anyone yeah. anywhere we're all mm -hmm. the you know the economic crash like everything that's happening environmental problems like we have to if we are all to survive we mm -hmm. have to come together because god isn't going to be like those christians from that church but the other three churches mm -hmm. you guys are going to go i'm going to kill you guys <coughs> but you guys worship properly so you guys but are going to get but some religions water. do believe they do mm -hmm. believe oh, that. Yeah. they do believe that absolutely yeah. but that yeah. seems yes. that seems like another podcast mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i guess i just um any it, it literally makes me like like get like eh. like if I could if someone take a picture like it makes me go the second anyone talks about a, a plan because it's it it's like I don't I don't like to think of anybody I don't like to think of the suffering of others and the lack of suffering in my life because I've lived a pretty privileged life that like and I've benefited from other people's suffering in the sense of like 
I, you know, I have seizures and other people have had seizures and they've developed medicines to help. So I don't deal, I don't have to have my teeth rotting out of my mouth and be called a witch and a heretic and be lobotomized uh, because right, yeah. others came before me. Right. We talked about it. But I don't, <laughs> it's I, I believe the reason I have benefited from that is luck and timing and has absolutely nothing to do with somebody going like, I like you, Colleen, and that person was expendable. And I don't know, I know that you guys don't mean that uh, when you talk about that, uh, but I just, I don't like the idea of an entity thinking of collateral damage. Well, I would say this about that, because I've thought about that, and as a believer, I believe that we're on an eternal spectrum. So even like that, so I'll get even shitty that, and like no, no, like I'm a saying like years. like the person who <laughs> like was, had seizures and was murdered because of them. That that you know this moment on Earth is one aspect of our life, but if we if you believe in eternity, there's another aspect. So this is just a small time that, and there's some good and bad, but. You're gonna. It's gonna. Life is going to continue. I don't believe that when we die, that's the end. Yeah. If if I believe that when we die, that's that's the end, I would go like, well, what is the point really then? Because, you know, we how are we gonna solve these issues? But I do believe that there's a bigger force at work who knows actually what the end game is. So when you say a plan, I don't know the plan. I don't have any answers to why people suffer unnecessarily. I don't know. But I take peace in knowing that my father knows. That's where I have peace. It's like, like I said, like it's like when you were a kid and your parents are deciding financial things in the house and they don't ask you your opinion. They don't tell you just yeah. like, we're moving. You don't like it, fine, but you don't know what's going on. Now here's a mind blowing mm -hmm. question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, as we all know, our parents are just us grown grown up, mm -hmm. and that our parents actually had no idea what was going mm -hmm. on, but they just had to because they mm -hmm. had children and all of a sudden they were in charge. <laughs> So when you think of that metaphor, in theory, I could have just had a baby and I could be somebody's mom mm -hmm. and they could see me the way I saw my parents is like knowing all the truth and being these authorities. Mm -hmm. But I, as an adult now, I look at my parents and I go, they were just making shit up mm -hmm. and figuring it out as they went along. Well, what I'm talking about, I think, is the faith you had in your parents as a child. Yes. God is, I don't think, God is not, God's does, not is he doesn't suffer from the limitations that my parents did. Yeah. But I'm saying that faith as a child that I had in my parents to take care of me regardless, I didn't have to think about it, is what God asks of me, is just trust me. I got this. And that gives me a lot of peace that even when there's things that I don't understand, I know God understands. And I don't have to understand because I'm not as smart as him. Okay. Maybe my brain is just, like, this stuff explodes my brain. Yeah. So I just keep me boiling it down smaller and smaller. And there's this author, her name is Annie Lamont, you probably mm -hmm. heard of her. And it, she, there's a line from one of her books that says, we're all just here to walk each other home. So I keep boiling it down to that. of like, I have no idea why. The, I can't, you cannot give me a good reason why people suffer. So I have to keep mm -hmm. boiling it back down to like, just hold the hand of the person mm -hmm. who's suffering and walk with them. And when it's your turn to go mm -hmm. and you're in pain or whatever, look around and someone will reach out and they'll take you. And we're really, mm -hmm. that like that is, that's about all I can manage on a question like that. It's just so... And the people who claim they have the answer to that are question, lying. I am just they're lying. There's no so way as a human being you can have. Dung, I yeah. don't even know. What to say. Want, <laughs> I believe that people want to have the answer. And they want to give the answer. But can I just share one quick thing? A thought that I had years ago, and I was and I was thinking about this, and it was like when 
you know, you have these people who say they're Christians and all that and blah, 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 but they, you know, they hate gays and they hate black people and they hate whatever. And I was like, since we don't know what God looks like, I was saying, wouldn't it be great as this, when you stand before God on Judgment Day, if he looks exactly like the thing you hated the most or hurt, like if you were a child molester, God's going to be a little kid. Well, they love children. No, no, no. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but they know that they have a price to pay for their behavior. They're not like proud of their behavior. So like if you are abused kids or whatever, they got to be a little kid. And so that you're instantly faced with, oh, you know, like, so if you hate black people, but you think you're a Christian, like the Ku Klux Klan, mm-hmm. then God's black and you got to explain yourself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, if you, or if you hate it's gays like and God's, what's that? It's like in flatliners. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What you did comes back. Yeah. Okay, what, yeah. I, and I totally believe that on some level you have to face that. Underneath the thing that you most well, and that's also hate. very defending your life too. Like mm-hmm. that movie, yeah. it's not the best movie ever made. Oh, I, I love that. Movie. Fascinated oh, I love that by movie. that movie, yeah, yeah. and I and I kind of do believe, like, I I kind of buy into, in order to avoid that judgment at the end, that that that's the driving force for me to live the best life I can mm-hmm. possibly live, and um, not in fear of the judgment, but. Mm-hmm to transcend it as much as I possibly can as a human being. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to be the best person that I could possibly be, not because I'll be in trouble if I don't, but because, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I struggle with with organized religion is the, the shaming and the, the harsh judgment and the turning back. Like, at least in Judaism, God never turns his back on you in Judaism. Your community might. Mm-hmm. Your temple may put you out until you atone or mm-hmm. make amends. But um, I just can't believe that a, that God, any God, could uh, would ever turn their back. You know, if, they, so if God is love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And it's baffling to me because I was raised in a church where the message is radical inclusion. And mm-hmm. they say every Sunday, whoever you are, wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, you are welcome here. So to me, I'd like, I can't even... My experience of church, I'm coming to understand as a grown-up, is so different right, me than too. everything mm-hmm. else that's out mm-hmm. there. Of all of this, like, I never fight with my wife. And right. are you sure you're baptized? Otherwise, you can't have a sip of this gross, cheap wine and right. a piece it of this disgusting It was delicious to me. <laughs> yeah. um, I love that if if we get anything out of this podcast, that someone's full of Mrs. Dung. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which has never occurred to me now, but it'd be like, you're full of Mrs. Dung. And we'll yeah. make memes. totally um this is a lovely 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 conversation um and now as the helicopters swarm us once again yeah yeah. does anybody have a shameless plug yes uh uh, something they'd like to say that they're doing or give their twitter handle margie mcgee how do we Uh, get a hold of you yeah anything well i'm occasionally on twitter at margie mcgee is that how that works yeah Yeah. there you go i'm very well done like that and then i'm writing for the muppets which will start airing on abc tuesday september September 22nd there it is tuesday september 22nd (laughs) at 8 p.m so watch it yay Yay. we're all most of us are the three quarters of us are abc employees in this room (laughs) Um, I um, I do a show uh, called The Black Version at Largo so you can just go to theblackversion.com it's an improv show where we have all black cast we it's get fantastic thank it's you amazing where the audience makes a suggestion of a title of a real movie like Titanic and then we improvise the black version of it great cast a great director and uh, so please come and support that theblackversion.com I'm at fake Jordan Black and um <laughs> And I think that's uh, all Jordan with an A, do. not a uh, two O's. Right, because that's Jordan. just this no pointless. Jordan. Yeah, that's not how it's spelled. <laughs> but I've seen it. It's wrong because the Jordan River, the Jordan the country, Michael Jordan. Why would you? 
Because people are weird. Jordan Almonds? Uh, We are My First Time Pod. At My First Time Pod Pod is our podcast, or our Twitter handle. Our website is... MyFirstTimePodcast.net. And you have to spell out first, F-I-R-S-T. I am at Colleen Smeek, C-O-L-L-E-E-N-S-M-I, for Twitter. Mary Jo. I'm at Mary Jo L-A. Um, which is, is so spelled easy. exactly how it seems. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're so excited. Uh, these should always be at the first of every month. Uh, and we want to thank, once again, uh, Ian Phone Smith, who is at, uh, at Ian Screams? At Ian Screams Music. At Ian, Ian Screams, Screams Music. music. And uh, uh, at this point, it has yet to be composed, but there will be music to each one of these episodes that is composed by at Ian Screams Music yes. or by Ian Smith. And if you have an idea for a first time topic, tweet it to us. Yeah. At my first time pod. And there will be photographs and things all done by one of our other producers, uh, Tanya McClure, uh, who is at, uh, our website developer and our photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she was plugged on another one, but we'll remember her. Twitter handle and always do that. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Yay! May God or whatever deity you believe in be with you. Amen. You're full of dung. Yay! That'll be on 15 different computers. <laughs>